Uni Taste Days proudly presents the Uni Guide, supporting you with all things university. Hello and welcome back to the Uni Guide podcast. Today we're going to be looking at careers, which is such an important subject for students, for teachers that support students, and for parents as well. Because ultimately, careers for a lot of students is why you go to university when you're thinking about what you're going to do afterwards. And I'm delighted today that we've got fantastic guests that are going to talk about that very subject. We've got Emma and Leah who are joining us, and you'll know Emma and Leah because they're part of the UniGuide podcast panel. But also, we've got a careers expert in Chris Webb. Now, Chris, I don't know how you've done it because I was looking on LinkedIn earlier on, and you seem to have done a, a hell of a lot in the careers space. So, Chris has worked for a university in a careers role, which is what he does now, but he's also worked for a school. In a careers role, he's worked for a college in a careers role. And also, which I didn't realise until I was just doing a bit of background reading, Chris has also worked overseas and he might talk a little bit about that as far as this episode goes. But with that in mind, it's less about me and more about you all. So we always start podcasts with the same question. And Chris, if I can come to you first, and that is if you can just tell us what you do and why you do it. Yes, very good question. And thanks for having me on, John. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Chris Webb. I'm a registered career development professional, as, as John mentioned, currently working in higher education, but sort of previously worked across secondary education um, and uh, further education as well. Um, and as you mentioned, I did used to work overseas, not in a, a careers related role. I was a English as a foreign language teacher and I worked in, in Japan and Vietnam over a couple of years. So that was that was very enjoyable, but not necessarily connected directly to what I do now. Um, and I suppose to answer the question, yeah, why do I do what I do? Uh, So for me, it's about kind of everybody in society feeling empowered to be able to kind of manage their career, um, developing kind of important skills like kind of critical research skills, self-awareness, self-confidence, but also sort of being exposed to opportunities that can kind of help them decide what type of paths they might want to kind of pursue throughout their lives. So that's that's kind of why I do what I do. Chris, thank you so much and and a really warm welcome to the episode. So Emma and Leah, I'll come to you first, Emma. People know you from previous episodes, I expect, but Say, for example, someone's listening and they, they don't really care about any of the upper episodes. They're just going to hear this one because they want to know about careers. So they run into you for the first time. Emma, can you just tell us a little bit more about what you do and why you do it? Hi, I'm Emma. I'm in my final year where I study international business with French at the University of Birmingham. I rather excitingly did a year abroad last year as part of my course. I've also got involved in several opportunities whilst at university, for example, chairing a youth advisory board being on the UCAS advisory board as well and as well as having lots of opportunities to really give back to students because I found that it's important to not only develop your own skills but also enable others to reach new heights as well. Emma you're doing so much um, and we're really proud that you're part of this podcast as part of everything else you're doing so welcome to the episode and Leah last but certainly not least do you mind just telling us a little bit more about what you do and why you do it? Hi my name's Leah I'm a final year medical student from the University of Sheffield I also do lots of other things as well. I am the Chief Operating Officer of Future Frontline, which is a not-for-profit that helps and supports um, current and future healthcare students and professionals for free. We do so much of Future Frontline. I'm very proud of it. I'm also obviously on the panel here at Community Case for Days, and I also spend a lot of time talking about mental health and well-being on my social media account, um, Wellness Medic, which I've been really kind of trying my best to open up and share my own mental health journey to hopefully inspire some other people as well. Um, I chose to go into medical school because I, well, for starters, I absolutely love science. Um, I just think the human body is absolutely fascinating. Um, But also because I love 
people and I love communicating with people and I'm a very empathetic person. Um, so I think the opportunity to be with someone during those kind of really vulnerable moments is such a privilege. And I feel very honored that I'm allowed that glimpse in someone's life. And if I can hopefully make that time of their life, that very difficult time of their life, just that little bit easier or just that little bit more comfort- comforted, then I feel like I've done a good job. And it makes me, yeah, it makes me very proud to be a medical student. I absolutely love it. Leah, thank you so much. And again, congratulations on, on everything you're doing. And, and you must be you must be doing one of the most, if not the most busy course, and you managed to find time to do the future frontline work, the uni taste work and stuff. So I just assume you don't sleep, Leah, which you must do because it's very bad not to sleep and you know all that. So, um, right, let's get on with the episode. So first thing, Chris, if I can come to you, please. The main listener we have is a student that's thinking about their future. So... What would you say, Chris, given all your experience, is the key thing that a 16 or a 17-year-old should be thinking about relating to their career? It's a big question (laughs) and a really good question. Um, I think it's one that doesn't necessarily have kind of one answer. It's very sort of context-specific for individuals, but I'm going to give a few sort of broad areas that I think are, are quite useful. And I think the first one really is around kind of taking ownership of your own career. I think it's it's one of those things that as you kind of move through education. A lot of kind of what you do is sort of not necessarily on rails, but it's sort of provided for you in quite a kind of directed pathway. And I think as you come towards that sort of period, that early stage of your career, it's really about you starting to kind of take decisions that are going to affect you. And actually really, you know, it's probably kind of the first time you're really having to do that um, to that sort of level. So I think it's kind of quite it's quite useful to sort of look at it from that perspective and go, actually, I need to get comfortable with being in the driver's seat. Decisions I make are going to impact me. I need to really think about me. Um, and obviously that can be quite daunting. So I think talking to people is really, really important as you get to that stage. So whether it's family members, peers, teachers, careers, professionals, I think like a broad spectrum of people, how did they make those decisions? What was that like for them? You know, you're not alone in that at all. So I think it's really important though to remember that you are in the driver's seat at that point. You know, you're making decisions that are going to affect your immediate life and also kind of the future. So I think getting comfortable with that is really important. And then I think once you sort of get past that, there's a few different things, really, I think, that, that are really important to be aware of. So the first one, I think, is, you know, why am I interested in what I say I'm interested in? So it kind of comes back to sort of uh, Leah's point in the beginning, really. I don't think it's something we talk about nearly enough with either young people or adults is actually kind of challenging people to sort of say, why are you actually interested in this? Have you really thought about this? And I'm not, you know, saying necessarily this is kind of like a challenge in the sense of, you know, why are you interested about this? But more in terms of, have you thought about the intrinsic motivations behind what you're planning to do or what you might be interested in? Is it kind of out of genuine curiosity? Is it because you've got a real kind of passion or enthusiasm or interest in a subject? Or is it potentially down to something else? And that could be, you know, parental um, peer expectation. It could be a lack of knowledge about what else is out there. You've just simply not looked into other options. So I think it's kind of really important to sort of challenge that and, and really kind of whatever pathway you might be considering, asking that question, you know, why am I interested in this? How can I potentially answer that? And if it's kind of quite difficult, so you're someone who's maybe not sure, it might be a case of going, well, actually, what do I want to try? And again, this is something I think we don't talk about enough. It's actually just trying stuff, experimenting. You know, if you're really not sure, you have to try stuff. You're not going to get there through research or reading websites alone. You have to try stuff. So how can I maybe try stuff that allows me to find out some of the stuff I'm interested in, check, you know, whether that really is the case or whether actually... I'm kind of going down the wrong line. So I, I think that question of why is really important. And then I think sort of linked to that, there's, there's lots of things that you can do. So 
understanding the options that are out there. You know, there's some really good websites that you can kind of use to sort of check these sort of things. The government's just launched recently um, a kind of skills for careers website, which has got lots of information about the different um, training pathways at post 16 and post 18, university, traineeships, um, supported internships, apprenticeships, all those kind of sorts of things. So there's lots of information out there that you can access. And I think sort of knowing the options is is kind of a big part of it. So, you know, what pathways could I take? Where might they lead? Um, and then I think also sort of understanding the, the implications of career choice. So for you, like, what are your priorities? Do you want to stay close to home? Do you want to explore the world and be somewhere completely different? Might it be a mixture of those two things? And actually by making certain career choices, what doors does it open? And what doors does it potentially close for now? or maybe leave open for later. So understanding, I think, the implications is really important. Um, and then I think, sort of finally, it's 16, 17 is a really good time to actually start to reflect on everything you've achieved up to now. And there's lots of different ways to do this. Things like compiling a CV data bank is quite a useful way, just a, almost like a, a dump of everything that you've done so far in your life. Academic qualifications, uh, you know, achievements in terms of like volunteering, part-time jobs, projects you've been involved in, hobbies, interests, um, certifications, things that you've done online. And actually just kind of capturing that, you know, what do you feel you're really good at at the moment? Are there things you're not so good at? And are there things you want to learn to be better at in the future? And that can also kind of inform the type of things that you might do. So I think all of that is really important. And then the biggest one is probably to take the pressure off and remember that the next step isn't the final step. A lot of information in there, but I think it's a, it's a complex question and probably deserved a, a complex answer. And that's okay. Chris, that was incredible. You are literally the careers advisor I wish I, I had when I was at school. But that is, in terms of, of, of an answer, that is absolute gold. So I, loved, I loved it all, but actually the trying, you know, comment about trying stuff, I think that's so good. You know, cause you're going to do courses or anything else that you do, you, you might try it and you might like it. You might try it and you think, good grief, I, I don't like that at all. I thought what you said on finding your why was really important as I recently read Finding Your Why by Simon Sinek and it really made me really question the deeper notions of actually what is making me do this and I had a conversation with Victoria actually recently he's also on this podcast and we were talking about why we want to achieve something because actually understanding why we want to achieve something and unlocking that deeper meaning means that we can really I guess we're more likely to stick with that decision because we know it's right for us. And I think, as you mentioned, I think external factors can play a huge role in discerning what career we want. So I think it's really important to kind of acknowledge where those pressures come from, but also on a more positive note, something one of my teachers said to me was like, GCSEs to A-levels is that it's all little steps. Because I used to think like, oh, GCSEs are the be all and end all. And I think at the moment, at the point when you're doing them, it feels like they're the only thing that matters at that moment but then you're like well do you know what that's okay like if we see everything as little steps we're all moving in the right direction and I think it's that moment that I realized that actually once we break it down it's a lot more manageable but it's really I think is it called experiential learning and learning by doing that has a lot more value than just simply reading because once you're in the workplace and once you're doing something you're like oh that's this is right for me or this is not right for me or whatever I guess findings you get from that I really like what you said there Emma because I think it's about again what you both said actually it's about trying things out I remember going back to A-levels and I thought picking my A-levels was going to be the most stressful thing because what if I make the wrong choice and, and what if I don't end up enjoying it well I guess I did make the wrong choice I actually did physics for a week <laughs> and it was a very easy swap to do something else so like Chris said, exactly. Just give these things a try. And if it doesn't work out, there are 
you, you, you'd not signed a two-year contract. It, it can be resolved. And I think just generally to add on to what everyone said, I think for me, it was, well, me now talking sort of in hindsight, I wish I'd sort of more fought with both my head and my heart. Because I think you have you have to have both because, say, for example, myself as a medical student, there were certain uh, qualifications I needed to get. There were certain A-levels I needed to take. But there also, it wasn't as strict as perhaps I thought it was in terms of the other choices that I had that I could do to get into medicine as well. So I think it's, again, it's just about picking your passions versus what do you need and what also inspires you and trying to find that sort of happy medium that keeps both your brain and your heart happy. Leah, thank you. Um, so, so, so interesting. And, and to be honest, the, the fact that you are, I'm talking to a student here, but, but the fact that you are actually listening to a podcast like this, it's talking about queers is, is a really positive step and you're taking ownership. And, and I've got to say, you know, we're talking about all the, all the good stuff, but I was useless when I was, when I was younger. I, sounds like I'm making this story up. But I promise it's completely true. I went to university purely because my two sisters did. I didn't really have you know, any path towards university at any point, but got to 16 and thought, well, if I don't go to university, I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to do. So I went to see my head of sixth form, and then it was you know, books and stuff rather than so many websites, which makes me sound really old, not that old. But I can always remember this head of sixth form picked up this, this looked like a big manual and said, John, the two areas that are up and coming are business law and human resource management. So little old me, under the influence massively, uh, went and looked and found a course. It was a joint course in business law and human resources. And that was my research. It literally was. I went to the university. There's only about two universities that did this joint course. And it turned out okay in the end for me. But I, I was lucky in, in terms of jobs I've done previously. But I'm, where I'm going with this is, is actually the fact that you're actually taking time out to think about your futures now is incredible. And you should be you know, well proud of yourself that you're, you're doing so. Emma, can I just come to you? We heard a little bit from Leah then in terms of, of Leah's journey and, and medicine is a subject that you need to ensure that you, you pick previous subjects. So it needed a lot of prior planning. Did you go back to 16 or 17 year old Emma? Did you kind of have a clear direction in terms of what you wanted to do? Um, to be honest, I didn't really know what my strengths are, or at least at the time, I didn't feel like I had the aptitude to identify what my strengths are to then really leverage those. It's interesting because now my brother's actually 15 and he's doing his GCSEs and he's got the big conundrum of what A-levels to take. Does he go down the STEM route, which might open more options, or does he stick with different options, which might close doors? I guess it's kind of a tricky situation to be in. And I think the internet has definitely, as you said, offered lots of opportunities because I don't know how I'd trawl through so many books looking for, like, looking for information when I feel like it's so easy to just find it's so easy to find a YouTube video or even a podcast now to get insight. So I don't know how people research in the past. Like it seems like a complete like headache going to a library when you can just spend one second and get your answer within maybe two seconds. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a really good point, Emma. And I think for, for subject stuff as well, it, it can be really tricky, as you say, because you kind of feel like you're making decisions that are going to have such a long-term impact. Um, or as you say, open doors, closed doors. I think you know, it's always worth being aware, you know, Leah, you mentioned this about, you know, not necessarily being tied into stuff for life, but also kind of, if you've got that awareness of the training routes that could allow you to get back into something, generally speaking, you know, for example, if you've got your maths, English and science at reasonable grades at GCSE, you know, you may be able to find, for example, apprenticeship routes that can, can give you kind of a step up into other pathways, even if you were to pursue, say, A-levels or a university degree in something STEM related. And, and we've seen people kind of do that. 
um, you know, through sort of various um, parts of their careers, you know, people that I've worked with. And again, equally, there might be opportunities where you would need to have an A-level in that subject to access a certain type of degree apprenticeship. So as you say, kind of checking, you know, what you need, that stuff's quite important, but can be quite difficult because there's so many potential options. I think the subjects, the thing I, I kind of always try to advise or always advise people to sort of think about is, you know, have you kind of looked one step further? So if you're really interested in the subject now, you know, have you looked at what's in the A-level curriculum and does it sound interesting? Have you chatted to kind of the people that deliver it or even students that have studied it? Or if you know that you're really interested, you're going to do it at A-level. Have you looked at university curriculums, which you, most of which you can find on websites now? And actually, like, what's the kind of content? How much of it's practical? How much of it's theory-based? All these kind of types of things. So I think there's, there's elements of the research you can do. And I, I think, you know, you were talking earlier, Lear, about stuff that really captures you, really makes you feel like, you know, it kind of lights you up. And I think even if you're unsure, you'll look at certain things and you'll be able to see what kind of pops up. I, I remember for, for me, for example, it was kind of a, a bit of a 50-50 between doing history or criminology when I went to university. And I just remember looking at the curriculums and even though I absolutely loved history, there was just nothing in the syllabuses that made me like, that's really interesting. And criminology, it was exactly the opposite. Everything sounded interesting. So it was uh, that kind of really helped steer it one way or another. So I think all the stuff you kind of mentioned there is really important about it's so difficult to make those choices, but just thinking that one step ahead, I think sometimes can help with that. That brings us to the end of part one. Join us after this short interlude as we go deeper in part two into our guests' lived experiences. If I can come to you, Leah, just is medicine's probably a subject that that does need more planning than others. So with that in mind, I just I just love to say, when did you decide? Is there a particular time or age you thought, you know what, medicine is is gonna be right for me? Actually, I think what Emma said earlier really kind of made me think of my own journey when you said about like the the little steps. Because for me, I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to be a doctor. I didn't know any doctors. I'd touch wood, hadn't been in hospital because I was unwell. It was just those little steps of, well, I, I love biology, but I'm not really that. I find the plant stuff interesting, but I'm really fascinated about the human body. What combines my, my love for the human body with my kind of, I love communicating and I love working with people. And it slowly worked down my interests. and. I kind of learned more about medical school and I, I did do some work experience. And that was when I was really like, yeah, medicine's for me. I picked my A-levels with the thought of having medicine there because you do have to have chemistry for medicine. But I hadn't made that decision until later on in the year when I'd really kind of found that it was my passion. You do have to make your decision for medicine a little bit earlier because there's an early deadline for application to medical school, which is in October as opposed to January. One thing that I always like to mention when talking about applying to med school is you don't have to have known you want to be a doctor like from when you were two, three, four years old. I know that story's kind of said a lot and that's incredible, but it doesn't have to be your journey. I was a, well, I'll say bracket, like a late bloomer to medical school because it wasn't something I'd considered till much later on. Again, it's little steps. I made the decision to study more science and then I made the decision that I wanted to narrow it down in medicine and then I'll narrow it down again and decide what kind of doctor I want to be. So I like to think of like each step in your career is narrowing down and getting more specific. But right now when you're sort of 16, 17, like you've still got a really wide 
amount of options and you've got a lot more narrowing down to go. So don't put that pressure on yourself to, to know exactly what you want to do. I, I think that's such an important point. And it kind of comes back to stuff that you both mentioned, I think, around it's actually really difficult sometimes. There's often like common advice around like follow your passion. And actually, we talk to a lot of like younger people who are like, I don't know. <laughs> like, how do I follow that? I don't know. You know, there's a, a great guy uh, who's based over in Canada called J.P. Bouchel, who uh, has written a book recently actually called The World Needs You. And it's about his kind of challenge mindset approach. It's quite an interesting approach because really the way it's kind of framing things is saying, are there sort of things that are happening in the world that you're interested in being involved in? And that might be, you know, like you were saying, Leah, you've got an interest in a particular subject. How does that subject interact with the world? You know, where is biology used in the world? Are there elements of the problems that biology is solving that you think that's super interesting? I'd love to be involved in that. And then working into how could I be involved in that? What organizations do that? Maybe kind of what specific jobs do that? But as you've both said, you know, you don't have to know that straight away. It might just be that that interest is enough to take you forward kind of in, in the interim. So I think, yeah, framing things differently, as you've said there, like looking at things from slightly different perspectives is really useful because we're so used to, I think, in society, this idea of like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And it's, it's quite a rigid and almost not a particularly helpful question for a lot of people, particularly if they don't know what they want to do. So I think, yeah, the, the reframing is, is really valuable. I think there's a lot of pressure as well when you're younger to kind of make those, those choices, knowing exactly what you want to do. I mean, I'm 24 now. I'm in med school. I still don't know exactly what I want to do when, when I grow up. And I think that's a really interesting kind of term. Like we do say, what do you want to be when you grow up? But what is that measurement? What, what is grown up? And the answer is that that, that end goal is, is different for everyone and it, and it can change and, and everyone's kind of on their own unique kind of path. But I think it should be something. And I think even listening to you, Chris, I, I really enjoyed listening. Like the passion, it's an exciting time picking what you want to do. And there has to be obviously a level of sort of organization and a little bit of the, the sort of keeping to the deadlines, but it's actually a really exciting time. It's exciting to have options. If you're a bit of an anxious person like me, it's also a bit daunting, but overall it is, it's exciting to have options and kind of don't rush to make those decisions. I was going to add that the UCAS website is really helpful in terms of like picking, I think there's a something that I found quite interesting was like a A-level explorer where you can put in your three levels you're studying or your BTECs or what qualifications you're doing. And it gives you like usual career pathways for people who've done the same A-levels as you. So it might help to, I guess, generate some thoughts or at least give you more of an idea of what people who've done the same, the same kind of pathway have gone on to do. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. There's some great information out there now. So, you know, in addition to kind of UCAS, you have, if you're looking at, for example, like um, going through the university route, prospects.ac.uk, really good website, lots of kind of stuff around what you can do partic with particular degrees, different sort of sector profiles, job profiles, those sort of things. But also kind of coming back to the point about, you know, making impact, websites like 80,000 hours, you know, not necessarily specifically a careers website, or I guess it kind of is careers adjacent. But, you know, that's fantastic. Lots of great stuff in there around kind of how to have a career with impact and, and they've got their own jobs board which shows you some of the jobs around the world where you can make a positive impact in different areas whether that's charitable sector international development all those sort of things so i think there's yeah there's probably never been more information and it's a plug really for career services whatever stage of education you're at career services will be able to signpost you to a lot of that great information so um right so i just want to move on now and and, and kind of talk about something a little bit different and and it's it's a challenging question i'll come to you first chris with it 
say a 16 or a 17 year old now is listening to this podcast and and they haven't got a barking clue what they want to do and perhaps they've been told to listen to the podcast because someone's worried about them parent guardian teacher they think they've got so much potential but they just don't know what they want to do where do you start there first thing is to take the pressure off and to say that actually it's incredibly normal to feel that way and particularly at the early stage of your career i mean it's actually fairly normal to feel that way at many points in your career but, but particularly at the early stage um, so I think it's important not to be hard on yourself and feel as though you're kind of behind. I think that's that's particularly common. And as both kind of Leah and Emma have mentioned, you know, you're on your own journey. You know, it's, it, careers are such a deeply personal thing. It's it's kind of almost um, futile to compare them, really, because everyone's coming from such different sets of personal circumstances. So, so I think kind of that first thing is not being hard on yourself. And then sort of come back to the earlier point um, around, you know, if you're really not sure what you want to do, we've heard a few sort of different avenues you can consider so it might be like looking at you know challenges um if you aren't sure what you want to do there's there's a few different things we've heard kind of talked about already so sometimes it might be about considering are there sort of causes or subjects you've got a even a slight interest in how do i kind of unravel that find out a little bit more if i you know if that's something i'm really interested in or is it just something that kind of is the, the only thing in front of me at the moment um it might be about kind of working backwards so you know i've heard about maybe looking at sort of is there like a subject is there something happening in the world that like really fascinates me, whether that's, you know, generative AI, how that's going to impact different industries. Is it sustainability? But there might be kind of big, big sort of problems affecting the world. So things like the UN Sustainable Development Goals, you might have kind of not heard of them, but you've seen some of the problems happening in the news. You think, do you know what? Working towards helping solve that would be really interesting. Who does that? And kind of working backwards that way. But then I think on a more practical level, it's about trying stuff. So, you know, if you've got a particular area you've got an interest in, even if it's just a slight nagging interest, so it might be, let's say, video games design. Have you been to a college? Have you been to a university? Taste today. You don't have to be about to go to university or even necessarily committed to going to university to go to an open day or a taster session. A lot of them now are open to, to people of kind of variety of ages. And I speak from some experience there um, because when I used to work in a school, I had one of our students who was, I think, year eight or year nine really interested in paleontology so you think oh that's quite niche but she was really keen to kind of find out what would it actually be like and we managed to um set her up with local university go and see meet their department and she had an absolutely brilliant time and they were really great for doing that sort of thing but i think even those type of things just actually like testing you know am i really interested in this if i go and talk to somebody does it actually really spark something or do i go away thinking yeah, it's probably the wrong thing actually maybe i need to go back to the drawing board and so that might be kind of taster sessions. It might be volunteering for like a local organization that does something linked to what you're interested in. It might be going to your school careers fair or spending a bit more time at the school careers fair, talking to relevant people. Um, it might be just talking to people in general. So whether you've got contacts through family, contacts through the school, contacts through your kind of career service or kind of careers advisor, just kind of seeing what was it like. It's, it's really hard, I think, no matter how much you might feel you have no idea about the future, it's about thinking about what's the best next step potentially going to be for me and that could just be trying something so at 16 17 maybe approaching the end of, of kind of like formal secondary education it might even be thinking about things like a gap year is there a way that i can try a bunch of different things through kind of quite a focused gap year maybe some travel maybe some work maybe some training courses and use that as a way to kind of think about what could come after that so sorry a very very long-winded answer there but i think it's again another kind of complex question and one where it takes a bit of time to think, and as both sort of Leah and Emma have said, it's okay to take that thinking time and not rush into it. 
something that I wanted to kind of, I guess, talk more about was the fact that a lot of experiences and insights can actually be gathered outside of the classroom. You touched on the importance of gaining like work experience, but I don't think that's possible for everyone. And I think it's harder if you not have if you don't have family connections. So something that I've done that's been really, really helpful has been like joining youth advisory boards. Because sometimes on youth advisory boards you actually get a mentor who's a trustee. So you actually get access to people who are really like who've got already in their career and are really, really keen to help the youth board to really progress. So that's something that's really helped me. And I guess additionally, something that people more and more students I think are getting is mentors. Because I think even if you're not able to experience the workplace, having someone to ask, oh, what's the biggest challenge of your career? Or how might I be able to get into a career like this? Or what are good next steps? I think gives you an idea of whether you're the type of person or that's something you can see yourself. There's a couple of things that I can flag like Uptree and Young Professionals and things like um, Brookeridge Hub. And those are things that I think are really good because you can get involved in them from when you're starting your A-levels. So you can already have a start before you've kind of started picking your degree or your next steps. Thank you so much, Emma. And, and brilliant to hear so many resources that you, you shared then. So um, appreciate that. Right. So what I want to do now, and, and I'm conscious that the, the podcast is called the UniGuide podcast, but careers is, is wider than just university. So Chris, can I come to you and, and ask what your thoughts are in terms of university as a, as a potential career destination for students? Like any pathway, university has got the potential to be a brilliant career destination but it absolutely depends on, is it the right time for that person? Is it the right destination for them at this stage of their career and based on kind of what they're interested in? So, you know, that sounds like a very much a fence-sitting answer, but I'll sort of elaborate on it a little bit. Um, I think there's often too much kind of quite sort of black and white discourse around university versus apprenticeships, these sort of things. A lot of problems with that, chiefly the fact that you can do both throughout your career, and many people do, uh, either whether they start with an apprenticeship or go on to university at some point later in their career or do university via their apprenticeship, or do a degree first and then go on to an apprenticeship at some point afterwards. So there's so much more flexibility now, I think, in the system than perhaps there used to be. I think it's always really useful for people to be aware of that. But I think it's also kind of about understanding, as I think Leah mentioned earlier, you know, you don't need to rush into it. It's not something you have to do at 18. And I appreciate that can be a really difficult thing when you see all of your kind of peers or, or quite a significant proportion of your peers potentially looking at university as an option, doing kind of UCAS applications. And actually that decision sometimes to take a pause and maybe take something like a gap year is quite a brave decision. You know, not everybody does it. And I think it's still not something we probably talk about enough as a as kind of like a legitimate option. So I think doing something like that can kind of be really helpful. Um, there's lots of people who have hugely positive experiences of higher education later in their careers, um, you know, having kind of tried something else first and foremost. And that might be because they wanted to get more experience in work. It might be like they felt they just needed a break from education, um, you know, or certainly kind of formal education and try something different. So I think it, it can absolutely be a really positive destination, but there's context. Um, and I think like any investment of time and money in your career, whatever you do, it definitely pays to come back to that, that question of why are you doing it at this point in time? Why is it the right thing at this point in time? There's so many options that can kind of be like a double-edged sword, but equally it might be that the breadth is what you love about it. You think this could take me anywhere. Um, or it might simply be that you just want that opportunity to move to a totally new environment where there are so many things to try on tap. So societies, internships, placements, volunteering opportunities, part-time jobs, things that it's not that you can't get outside of a university, but you're in a system where it's a lot more on tap than it is in other parts of life. And that's, you know, that's something that can be quite beneficial. So I think 
whatever it is, if you can answer that question of why you're intrinsically motivated to go to uni, then it can definitely be a positive um, career destination. And I think if the answer to that question is, I'm not sure, or maybe not, then it might be kind of going back to drawing board and thinking, well, actually, have I explored the other options enough as well? Right then. So um, final question I want to ask in terms of like you, the university related question, and, and that's in terms of, of your role, Chris, because there'll be people that are listening thinking, oh, well, Chris has worked in a, at a school in a careers role. He's worked at a college in a careers role, now working in a university careers slash employability role. What's, what's, the, what's the difference and how do things change? Actually, more, more so, actually, how do things change in, in, in the careers remit when a student's at university in relation to when they're at school? So at their core, careers professionals are all working towards the same goal, which is empowering whoever it is that they happen to be supporting to consider the pathways and possibilities that best link with their, their skills, their strengths, their values, their interests, um, and try and kind of find out what a way forward might look like. So that's going to be very kind of key, regardless of whether you're working with a careers professional in a school or college setting or a university setting. However, there are some key differences between the type of career support that you might see in a university versus what you might see in a school or college. So I'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. So in universities, it's kind of different in the sense that, you know, there isn't one kind of overarching framework of how you should deliver careers. It can be quite individual and quite different from university to university, um, depending on size of the university. So if you're a 35,000 student university or whether you may be a smaller specialist university, maybe only like 10,000 students and, and the size of the career service that you've got. So you might see some of the features that are similar in careers. You might, you, you know, you're still likely to get one-to-one -one guidance appointments that students can book in for. You're still likely to get workshops on different aspects of career development, whether that's kind of career planning, decision-making, you know, working on your CV, LinkedIn profiles, interview preparation, those types of things. But I think what you'll kind of find more within your university is a much more embedded, uh, particularly these days, a much more embedded approach to, to career development. So uh, much more common now, for example, for modules, both accredited and non-accredited modules, to have a career development and employability focus, to have an employability lead within your faculty or within your department, you know, where you do your academic course. So that this is kind of actually delivered sort of throughout what you're doing. So you see a lot more of kind of partnerships between career services and academic teams. Um, you see a lot more in terms of kind of employer partnerships, because, again, there's more sort of investment in employer partnerships teams. They've got more people working in that space. So that might mean more opportunities for careers fairs or employer events, more opportunities for things like mentoring, for internships, but also things like live consultancy projects. So things that you might do as part of your degree course. It might be an accredited module where you're working with an employer on a problem they're trying to solve, and that's part of what you do within that module. So the, the difference generally is that you might see careers touching more of your kind of course and more of what you do generally across the university than perhaps you might do in a school. Although, again, that does vary and that does depend. So there's a lot of kind of commonality between the two, but I think what you'll tend to find is career services tend to be bigger in universities. They've got more kind of more budget, more resource that sort of goes into that. And again, you might find that it touches on more of sort of what you do across your academic course as well. Um, and certainly kind of more stuff that you might consider more employer focused. So like employability, recruitability based, as well as kind of career development based. So, yeah, a few a few different things in there, I think. And of course, university is, is what you make of it, isn't it, Chris? So there's, there's so much support at university, you know, when it comes to things like entrepreneurship, if you want to start your own business or, or anything else. But but it's there and, and the, the job of a student is to, to grasp everything that's there. Leah and Emma, can I bring you in then in terms of, of, of school and, and university? So, Leah, if I come to you first, if you how how closely have you kind of worked and seen that the careers um, support is available? 
Yeah, so I suppose med school is perhaps a little bit different to university because, like Emma said, it's a bit more structured. Hopefully we're all going to want to be doctors by the end of the five years. But there's also a lot of options of jobs you can do in medicine. And they're also quite competitive in their own way. So obviously building your CV and looking into your passions and things has been really important. So for me, it's been things like, what have I been interested in? So I'm a bit of like a social justice warrior. I'm very, very interested in um, health inequalities and sort of the effects of the living crisis on health and well-being. So things like that, saying what you're interested in, usually they can point you in, in the way with medicine, it's usually a, oh, we might have someone that's doing a research in this or the connections, I think. And I'm sure that's probably the same for majority of careers advisors. They can find good, good connections for something you're interested in or at least point you in the right direction. So yeah, something that I've found sort of that I've been, obviously I'm quite interested in is psychiatry which is an area of medicine and through that my sort of I have a tutor it's called a personal academic tutor that we all have at the med school and he's been really good at saying look here's what you can do in that sort of in psychiatry and here's different things that you can do get involved in as a student and I think just in general careers is very good but also it's good at not just pinpointing and saying okay you're on this course so you must want to do this I've been given opportunities to look at careers outside of medicine even though I'm doing medicine So don't feel that you have to go to a careers advisor with sort of that, I guess, stereotypical. If if you're studying law, don't feel like you'll only have to speak to them about law. You can speak to them about what you're interested in. They'll be able to open up those options for you. So, yeah, I think it's been very good in that aspect to have the very sort of nitpicky niche questions that are interesting for me and what I want to do right now. But also they open up the options and say, just so you know, you're not like I said earlier, you've not signed a contract. (laughs) There's also these things if you want to do that as well. Thanks, Leah. Um, yeah, and it makes perfect sense in terms of the course you're on. So, Emma, in terms of kind of your position, and, and can you give us any examples in terms of like the career support you've had on it, you know, perhaps related to job applications, et cetera? Yeah. If I've been going for like a grad scheme or an internship, I've asked for like someone to review my application. But I think in terms of anything, it's always good to have more than one source of help if you can. But I think... The key thing is, though, to be really proactive because people aren't going to ask you do, you, do you need help? You kind of have to think, as we said at the beginning, if I want to really move my career in the right trajectory or I want to move forward, I really need to be driving that myself and kind of really want to steer that forward. I, I think it's a really important point and kind of partly because when it comes to sort of careers advice, often I think there's a misconception that, you know, people will like leave school or college at 18 if they choose to go to university and like over the summer, somehow there's some like magical transformation that if you weren't hundred percent sure that this was the right path, suddenly come September, you absolutely know exactly what direction you want to go in. So I think the advice we would always give sort of as a university career service is exactly what you've said there, Emma, like, you know, don't, don't hesitate. You know, you can access your university career service anytime during your degree. No time is too early. You know, it might just be a case of, I come on this degree. I'm not hundred percent sure whether it's going to be the right thing for me. How do I actually work that out? How do I figure that out? Or how do I actually make sense of all the opportunities that are available at university? So I think whatever stage you're at through through the degree, that you know, that support is is always available from university career services. So yeah, no, no better time than now if uh, if you're listening to this and are wanting to access a career service. <laughs> that brings us to the end of part two. Join us after this short interlude for part three. Part three, we're really after the 
the careers gold dust in terms of, of tips. And, and Chris, I'm going to come to you with an absolutely horrendous question for you to answer, but our listeners would love your thoughts on it. So what is your killer careers tip if a student just had 15 minutes with you? What would your advice be? Yes, it is a very horrible question. Um, and I guess my, my first question back would be, why do I only have 15 minutes? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think... I'm going to do the cop-out answer first and then kind of try and give you a proper answer. So the cop-out answer is, I think it's really important that we acknowledge that career development, like um, education, lifelong learning, it's, it's an ongoing, it's an iterative process. No matter what you see online, TikTok, YouTube, wherever, Reddit, like ultimately, none of that is going to make a seismic impact in one go on your career. And as both Leah and Emma have talked about small steps, right? our, our careers are a series of small steps. We look back, we can only really see how our careers develop when we look back. So that's my kind of caveat to all of this. Um, and I think that if you, if you want my kind of my, my killer advice with all the caveats is I think coming back to that, that question of why and that question of what's next. So, you know, if you're really not sure, you've got a short amount of time with somebody or I had a short amount of time with someone, I would ask that question of what's next? How are you feeling about it? Scale of one to 10, how confident are you about what's coming next? Whatever number you give me, why? And I think that's where you kind of have to start with a lot of this stuff. Once you've kind of answered that question, then there are plenty of places, plenty of places you can be signposted to for resources, whether those are things we've talked about in terms of understanding what different career pathways are out there. So skills for careers, um, site I mentioned earlier, whether it's about wanting to research, like explore different career pathways. You know, we talked about 80,000 hours or prospects or UCAS or some of those different websites. So I, I think, you know, there are lots of places you can find that information. But actually, just going out there and getting it, for me, doesn't necessarily have value unless you've answered that first question, which is, what's next and why? Again, um, really, really good guidance. And, and throughout the podcast, you've also given us loads more tips. You know, by trying it, you're going to work out if, if you like it or you don't. Leah, Emma, any, any, any other thoughts and follow-up to, to that? Some advice that I got given was make a career or craft a career around your values. Because I think that we can get so obsessed with, oh, this is the right career for me. But actually, sometimes we have an illusion of a career. Like LinkedIn creates an illusion of community. But when we dig deeper, what is actually that driving factor? I was also kind of going to really talk about the importance of taking initiative and finding alternative ways of getting information. So something that I actually do now is I, I went to a trainee solicitor event for law <laughs> the other day. But actually, by being in a space where there was all trainee lawyers, it was much easier to ask questions because they're all in that space. And also, because you're usually the only student, people are like, oh, how did you end up here? In addition, I've also found an awful lot of events on, on Eventbrite just by Googling like tech networking and stuff. So I really think that it's often LinkedIn is also an excellent place to go because actually, if there's recruiting for maybe work experience, if they're looking for maybe people to join advisory boards or part-time work, it's all on there. And I think it's really about, I mean, seeing this careers thing as a long-term process and also as an opportunity rather than a burden, because I think it's often in a lot of spaces in life, how we frame things really affects our mindset. Good on you, Emma. Um, honestly, you're, you're everything. I look back at when I was a kind of you know, the age you're at now and you're everything that, that I wasn't in terms of, of putting yourself out there and getting involved in stuff. Right. So. Final question, and Leah, I'm going to come to you first in a second, but every single podcast, we always finish with the same question. Know what you do now. What advice would you give to your younger self relating to university? 
it's okay to not be 100% sure if that's what you want to do, what you're applying for. I remember feeling sort of a big comparison. You're A lot of you are applying to university at the same time and hearing a lot of people that have always wanted to do this and, and they're going off and doing it. And for me, I was so nervous about what if this isn't the right decision for me? What if this isn't the right course? And it's okay to have those feelings of doubt. I think sometimes with applying to university and things like that, it can be very tricky to feel like you need to be feeling all or nothing towards it because that shows you're, you're dedicated or you're, you're determined and therefore it must be the right choice for you. And, and that is absolutely not the case. We're all human. Doubt, doubts are, are normal because you've, until you've sort of tried on the shoes, you're not going to know if they fit, but also you're not going to know if they feel comfortable. That was something else I kind of feel when it comes to sort of courses is just because you feel like it's the right fit for you, you might try on those shoes and they might not feel right, but you might try on a pair of shoes that you didn't expect to enjoy and they're a lot more comfortable. So again, you don't have to feel 100% for something and you're so young at that stage. And that's something I'd remind myself as well. Just, just remember, you've got your whole life ahead of you and it can change it a hundred times and you've got that time and, and, and time is a privilege and make the most of that time and all the opportunities that come your way. Wonderful. Thank you, Leah. Emma, I'm going to come to you a bit with the same question. And then what you do now, what advice would you give to your younger self? To actually have fun. Um, I've actually been told quite a re- bit recently like that I need to make most of this time because going into the world of work, as you mentioned earlier, John, is a very full-on intense process and actually being being in education I need to really make the most of it I guess something that I was thinking about is I was often have a lot of self-doubt in terms of myself and the value that I add so I think that knowing kind of having a more realistic approach of the value that you add allows you to kind of make a more realistic decision because sometimes it's easy to I often knock myself down and don't think I'm not good enough so I won't apply for something and you kind of have to recognize the imposter syndrome if that's what it is and just allow yourself to go out of your comfort zone because unless you go out of your comfort zone you won't be able to experience any growth love that Emma and, and also I, I think the imposter syndrome is is very natural with with, with everyone I, I have exactly the same thing so um you are doing incredible incredible things and and you are very much setting the bar as is Leah so good on you um, in terms of setting the bar, in terms of careers, uh, Chris is also very much setting the bar um, with careers. And, and when the first person I thought of when we, we thought of this, this careers episode. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. But before you leave, the final question is the same one that I've asked Leah and Emma. So I, I'm going to quote my, my old colleague, um, Andrew Walton, a great chap. Um, and he used to kind of present um, sort of first year uh, sessions with just the title hashtag do stuff. And that's, that's the advice I would give to anybody. I think it's so difficult to actually, as we talked about today, know what you want to do or know what you're interested in without doing stuff. And you never know where things are going to lead. So, you know, it sounds like really kind of trite and obvious advice, but, you know, curiosity is a wonderful thing. It, it takes you in lots of different places. I got into American football when I was in university because I liked watching the sport. Lots of kind of the, the skills or kind of interests I developed came from playing that sport at university. I now coach that. I run the non-contact version of the Academy for Sheffield Giants. It's a big part of my life. You know, it's got nothing to do with my job, but it doesn't matter because our career is our entire life. It's not just about work. And, you know, life has got to be about more than that. So you never know where trying stuff's going to take you in terms of like generating new interests, 
and importantly, as kind of Emma said, just having fun. So I think do stuff for me is the, the big advice I would kind of give. What a fantastic way to finish. Thank you, Chris. Um, right. So final thing is just as a, it's almost like a, how can we find out more about the work that you're doing? And, and Chris, you've just finished talking, so I'll come back to you. Um, now, a shout out for your podcast. And that's the We Are Careers show. That's right, isn't it, Chris? That is correct, yeah. So yeah, if you want to find out more about me, or you may have been put off by all the talking that's happened on this podcast, but um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, forward slash Christopher Webb UK. So there we go, uh, just in case there are other Christopher Webbs out there that you might want to find. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, there's a couple of things that I'm involved in that you can kind of watch or sort of tune in for. So uh, I run a fortnightly kind of live stream for the Career Development Institute called We Are Careers, which is all about... Um, topical issues in the career development sector, if you're interested. Um, and I also produce on LinkedIn a weekly newsletter called The Week in Careers. So again, if that's kind of an area that you're interested in, feel free to follow me. Thank you so much. Um, Leah, I'll get, obviously, the, the, you're very busy as a, as a final year medicine students, but, but how can people get in touch with you and, and what, what else are you getting involved in? Yeah, so in terms of getting in touch with me, I mainly, you'll find me on Instagram and TikTok um, as wellness medic. I talk a lot about being medical school of a mental illness um, and mainly a lot of my anxieties of going through medical school, but also all the good points as well. And then in terms of if you're looking and you're considering a career in healthcare or if you want to know more and you want to grow, find some great free resources, free work experience, then my um, not-for-profit Future Frontline, you can find us on our website, Instagram, Future Frontline is i'm very proud of all the amazing free resources that we're able to offer from healthcare professionals across the uk thank you so much leah and leah has also featured on a UniGuide podcast episode which is episode 13 where we looked at medicine as a potential career destination and leah talking more about her own journey into medicine and emma last but certainly not least can you just tell us a little bit more about how people can get in touch with you and what you're up to at the moment yeah i'm quite an active maybe too active person on linkedin so linkedin is the place to go to find me and Emma also featured on a UniGuide podcast episode, which is episode 24, where Emma, Emma spoke about a study abroad program where she went to Montpellier, which is the poshest sounding place I think I've ever said. Uh, right. Final thing for me to do is just to say thank you for our guest today. That's Chris Webb, Leah Brooks and Emma Berwick. Really, really, really appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much. You've been listening to The Uni Guide, supporting you with all things university. While you're here, why not give us a rating? If you have any comments, suggestions, or want to ask us any questions at all, please contact us using info at unitasterdays.com. Stay tuned, like and share, and as always, take care.